All right, hey everybody, it's Brian. Um, I apologize if you can hear the kiddos in the background. They're kind of, they're bouncing off the walls right now. Amalia had a, uh, a total meltdown at dinner because she didn't want to eat the potatoes that were a part of our meal. And then Andrea informed her that there would be no sweets or sugar of any kind for two whole days. And that made her lose her mind. So thankfully, she finally choked down the rest of dinner, much to the relief of the rest of us who were listening to her sob at the table over that. And then uh, then we turned on a, um, a propane burner, like a fire pit out back, and they roasted marshmallows. So now they're bouncing off the walls, having just um, roasted marshmallows. Crazy, crazy, crazy times we're living in right now. Um, it's a school night technically, but it's it's after nine o'clock. There's no there's no bedtime plan. If we're lucky, they'll both be lying down, and maybe Amalia goes to sleep pretty quick. She's like me, um, so she'll probably be asleep by ten. If we're lucky, Jack will be down and asleep by 10.30. It's, I don't know. I hope, um, I hope that's not poor parenting. It just is what it is. And so, um, wow, okay, well, I've already been pulled away once in an hour and 42, or an hour, one minute and 42 seconds. So, yeah, we'll see how the rest of this goes. The kids are, going crazy. Andrea needed help with something outside and that's what actually pulled me away, but the kids are bouncing off the walls. Um, let's see, tonight was fun. I got to, Ethan and Kim invited me on to Ginger Runner Live to talk about a bunch of things, but the main topic was just being a small business owner and particularly a running store owner during the pandemic and what that looks like. And so that was a lot of fun. I love Ethan and Kim. They're super great people. And I just, I love the community they've created. We've, um, we've really been beneficiaries of that at trail camp because a number of our repeat attendees to camp, our campers are, are there, I think because Ethan and Kim um, and hopefully now because of us too, but initially they came because of Ethan and Kim. And, uh, so they're, you know, that group's become like family now too. So anyways, just great stuff. And I had a blast. I was really kind of nervous about it. I don't even, I'm not sure. I, I certainly didn't want to ask. I don't know how many people tune in to Ginger Runner Live, but I know they have quite a following and, even though I was sitting in the comfort of my own home, it's still, you feel sort of exposed and uh, it's nerve wracking. But once I got going, it was fine. So that was fun. And um, really tonight, I've been thinking about another kind of debacle story that is still a fond memory. And talking with Ethan and Kim tonight, 
brought it to light again and I figured I'd tell the story of my broken foot in the enchantments. And so I think it was 2014, although it could have been 2013. I wish I knew that for sure. So in 2015, I know for a fact, I went back and I ran Cascade Crest, the year of the the 100-year storm or whatever that we experienced in August that year. So I know for sure that was 2015 because that's what qualified me to get back into Western States in 2016. And I know for sure that was 2016 because it was 10 years or a decade on from 2006. What I don't know, I'm trying to think of the timing. Could I have broken my foot in 2014 in August or September and then run a hundred mile race a year later? And I think the answer is yes. So I'm pretty sure that's how it went. I broke my foot in early September, 2014. And we went as a group, um, some employees of the store and then friends of the store. It wasn't a, like a store sponsored run or anything, but it was all store related friends decided to go and do the enchantment traverse. And so we started at the Stewart Lake trailhead on the Colchuck Lake side and then had dropped a couple vehicles at the Snow Creek side. And so we went from up to Colchuck Lake and then up um, Asgard Pass through the lake basin proper and then descended off the other side. And many of you that are trail runners here locally know that route. It's a classic. It's incredible. Just to backtrack a little bit, the first time that I ever did the enchantments was solo and my Uncle Bill and my Aunt Gretchen and my cousin Ava were doing a through hike of the PCT from Stevens Pass to Snoqualmie with a bunch of offshoot hikes as well. They weren't just on the PCT. And I think they spent if not two weeks, real close to two weeks out on the trail. And I was living with them at the time in Wallingford. And so they asked me to drive with them to Stevens Pass and then drop them off at the trailhead. And then ultimately I would pick them up when they got back to Snoqualmie Pass. They spent a night at the the motel up there and, you know, had dinner at the restaurant or whatever. Um, but in the meantime, they, my aunt and uncle were like, hey, you know, you've got access to our car. If you want to drive further afield and go do some cool adventures, by all means, go for it. Because I didn't have a car at the time. And though I was dating Andrea and I drove her car an awful lot, that was when we were together. I didn't just drive her car by myself. So having a car for two weeks, you know, in that time when I was really, really, really getting into trail running, it was summertime. It felt like a huge um, opportunity. And I had this 
all of a sudden all this freedom. And so without skipping a beat, I was like, well, I've definitely got to go and do the enchantments. And this must have been in, maybe it was 2003, 2004. It was definitely when I was still working at Vertical World. So yeah, it was probably summer of 2003. Yeah, that must be right. Summer of 2003. So I was, you know, I'd run Chuckanut. Maybe I'd even run. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to, uh, trying to put all these dates together. Anyhow, I was a young, super zealous trail runner and was dying to go run the enchantments. But 2003 also, it wasn't pre-internet by any means, but there weren't the trip reports and things that we have now. So I did just a little cursory research and it seemed what I ended up doing because I only had one car was that I parked at the Snow Creek trailhead and I ran up that way and I ran all the way to the top of Asgard Pass and then looked down Asgard. I was like, wow, that's really steep. And then I turned around and ran back to the Snow Creek Trailhead. And I think that's a little longer. I want to say it was like 24 miles, maybe. An amazing day. It was so much fun. I couldn't believe how incredible. I mean, the enchantments entirely lived up to all the hype. So that was my first experience there. But I always wanted, you know, I, I felt like I got deprived of the Asgard Pass portion, which is really like the the classic crux of that traverse. It's just, it's hard to imagine just how steep that section is until you experience it firsthand. And so, um, so I think I've been back to do it point to point, maybe four times. And the time that I broke my foot being the, the fourth time. And so, um, and that's the last time I was there. So that's been, shoot, that's been a while now if that was 2014. It's amazing how time flies. But uh, there was a group of us, we're having a blast. I mean, it was really it was the most beautiful day I've ever had in the enchantments. And the amount of goats that we saw that day was just incredible. Mountain goats to me are just really neat creatures and seeing so many that day up close was really cool. Um, but we got up into the lake basin. Things are going just fantastic. It was a beautiful day. So much fun. I remember I was wearing a pair of Nike Terra Tigers and just loving that shoe. It just felt like this trail running slipper. And just, I was flying along going arguably, I guess, too fast and carelessly, like skipping across the, the granite up there. And all of a sudden I jumped off of a, a little ledge. It was probably two, two and a half feet high. And as I landed on my right foot, something I've done a thousand times. I kind of rolled my ankle out a little bit and there was a distinct pop. And I thought, uh-oh, that's not good. And so my initial reaction was to 
to pull my shoe off and look at it. And as I started to untie my shoe, and I was wearing knee-high compression socks as well, and as I started to pull my shoe off, all of a sudden I thought better of it. And I thought, you know what? If I take my shoe off and my foot balloons up, and then I can't get my shoe on, then I'm really screwed. So instead of taking my shoe off, as I untied it, I just cinched it up even tighter yet, laced it, and um, and then stood up and realized that I could put a little bit of weight on it, not much. And again, I was I was totally certain that I had sprained it really bad. To me, there was a distinct pop. I'd probably torn a tendon and it definitely it hurt but but whatever it was what it was and there was really no choice it's not like I could just sit down and call it a day and then have somebody come pick me up because we were in the middle of the enchantments probably 10 miles from the car and again thankfully the weather was beautiful and I was with a group of friends. Had I been by myself, things definitely would have gotten a little more stressful and potentially even scary. You you know, you just feel more vulnerable when you're out there alone. So um, Drew and Michelle were with me when it happened. The rest of the group that was with us that day was a little further back. So we just... Drew and Michelle were like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we got to, I'm just going to hike out. And so I got up on it and I, I hiked. And when, when I could, I'd try to run a little bit. And I was actually, there were sections where I could run. The most challenging portions of it for those who have been up to the enchantments were the, um, as you start descending off the Snow Creek side, there's some pretty steep slabs that have rebar um, drilled into the rock and then to give you traction or to be able to climb on or descend, whatever. Those slab sections were brutal on my foot. It was so, like, I couldn't, when I'd stand and try and slow myself, I'd just be on that outside edge of my foot, which is where it hurt so bad, where there was clearly a, a pop. But I got through those and then every little section of flowing water, you know, all the little runoff creeks, I would stand in there for, I don't know, a minute or two at a time and kind of ice my foot. And that provided a lot of relief. And then as we got a little further down and it turned, it became a little less rocky and more dirt path. There were even sections where I could run a little bit. And I wasn't running because... I just really wanted to run. I was running because it just it was getting me down out of the mountains quicker and I just wanted to be done with the day. And so I ran where I could. I hiked where I had to. And ultimately, I think we got down. It sounds preposterous, but I think Drew and Michelle and I got down about the same time or maybe even just ahead of the rest of the group that we were with. And simply because we had pulled ahead of them on the Asgard Pass section and through the the lake basin itself. Um, and then we got to the car and 
I guess you, you could say I'm a little bit of a control freak when it comes to stuff like this, but I just, I like driving and I had driven us over there and it was my car and I just thought, well, I'm going to drive us back. And so no one really fought me on it, but they were like, well, are you sure you can drive? And I said, yeah, I'll be fine. And if I can't, then I'll pull over and somebody else can take over. But I still, I had all my, this compression socks on, the same pair of shoes and we drove into Leavenworth and we grabbed food and that was great. And really my foot, it didn't feel great, but it wasn't like an excruciating pain or anything. I think we went to a, a subway, maybe at like a little gas station mini. It's one of those weird subways that's attached to a, like a Chevron station. So we uh, we got food, piled back into the car, and then drove back over the pass and ultimately got back home. I dropped people off and I got home and I'll, I remember pulling off my sock to to see, you know, to finally put eyes on the, the damage. And my foot was so swollen and so purple and bruised and, you know, just discolored and it was really gross. And so I... Um, First thing the next day, I reached out to, uh, what is his name? Brent, um, his last name is now going to escape me, but he's a podiatrist who pretty much every Tuesday out of the Capitol Hill store, he would come and run with us. Really great guy, super quiet, super down to earth. I went and saw him and he x-rayed it and he said, you broke your fifth metatarsal, which I didn't even know what a met. I thought a metatarsal was like your actual toe bone, you know, like when you, um, and I guess this is kind of embarrassing considering I'm a shoe guy and therefore should also be a foot expert. But, you know, uh, I believe in, in honesty and full disclosure. So I'm being honest and telling you that I didn't know what a fifth metatarsal was. And that if you had asked me, I would have said, oh, that must be your pinky toe. But I knew this wasn't the kind of broken bone you get when you kick the corner of your bed really hard or catch it on the corner. Well, shoot. Boy, I've really got to up my professional game here. Um, that was my mom just called in the middle of my story. And uh, I always forget to turn my phone, which I use to record onto airplane mode but it's especially apparent having been on kim and ethan's show tonight just you know how professionally run that is and how i guess frankly janky my uh my podcast is but that's all right we'll get there it's got character um so i was talking about going to see the podiatrist brent and brent x-rayed my foot and, oh yeah, that's what it was. He said, you broke your fifth metatarsal. And then he showed me where that was. And it turns out it's actually the bone. Probably all of you know this, but I didn't. It's the bone on the, that runs the lateral edge of your foot. And he described as what I did as an avulsion fracture. And evidently what happens is you can roll your ankle far enough to the outside that your peroneal tendon which wraps right behind your 
lateral malleolus or your outside ankle bone and then attaches to that little, you've got kind of a bony protrusion. I, well, I certainly do on my fifth metatarsal, but I've seen a lot of feet and most people have a little bit of a bony protrusion there on the outside of their foot. That's where your tendon attaches. And what happens is you can roll your foot hard enough that the tendon pulls so hard on the bone, it'll break the bone. And that's called an avulsion fracture. And it sounds awful, but it's it's a better fracture of the fifth metatarsal than a Jones fracture, which is one that pretty much always requires surgery. So I was very lucky with mine. Brent decided that we didn't need to put a pin in it. The downside was that because I'd had to hike out 10 miles on it or thereabouts, it had separated probably more, he thought, than the initial break. And so he said, you know, it's a good thing you didn't have to hike any further. It probably would have separated enough. It would require surgery. And it was it was as close as it could be to, you know, as much on the fence of having surgery as it could be. So he said, you know, if we can keep you unweighted and get this to start to fuse back together, I think we can dodge the surgery bullet, but you're going to have to be unweighted. And so that meant being on a knee scooter, which at the time as he said it, I thought, well, that's not great news, but sure, I can do that. So I got a knee scooter. And if any of you have ever been relegated to a knee scooter, you'll know what I'm talking about. But those things are straight up dangerous. At least the one that I got, the the sort of um, insurance provided crappy thing that had no suspension. And what's really dangerous about those things is the tires don't have air. They're just plastic, like rubber, hard rubber tires or plastic or whatever. So they don't absorb any shock and there's no shocks at all in the, the scooter itself. And so every little bump you hit sends like a vibration up through the shaft of the scooter into the handlebars. And there was one point, I kid you not, I mean, this is laughable to think about now, totally true story, where I was, I drove up to Capitol Hill, because I could drive okay with my boot on, so I drove up to Capitol Hill, because I had a walking boot as well in conjunction with the the knee scooter. So I walked, I drove to Capitol Hill in the walking boot, climbed out of the car with my crutches, and then got on my knee scooter, and then uh, maybe there weren't crutches involved at that point. So anyways, I got out of the car, got on my knee scooter, and then I knee scootered my way from 19th. So I had to go up Madison, past the Trader Joe's, Madison Market, and then down Pine to the store. And just as I had gone up past the... um. Trader Joe's and was just kind of like making that slight descent toward the entrance to the Madison Market. I wasn't going fast or anything. It's not like I was, you know, both feet off the ground and just, you know, in a tuck hauling down the hill or anything. I was, I had one foot down on the ground as you do on a knee scooter. And I had just a slight bit of momentum only because of the downhill. 
And as I'm going along, and there's, you know, handbrakes on the, the knee scooter too. So I'm going along. I wasn't going too fast or anything, but I had just a little momentum. And I hit a crack. <coughs> Pardon me. I hit a crack in the sidewalk. And it was just enough to kick the handlebar to the right. And my momentum literally like took me ass over tea kettle off the the left side. So the handlebars spin to the right, totally all momentum stopped. And I went kind of up and over the handlebars and tumbled right there on that. I was totally fine physically, but my my ego was severely damaged. It was so embarrassing. And also I was just mad. I was like, how, you know, I'm young, able-bodied. How is it that, how can people that are really injured or more elderly, how can they possibly get around safely on these things? So I had another couple close calls. And finally, one day, Dan works for us now, just Dan. But at one point, Dan and Chris, who are identical twins, worked for us at the store. And I was working with Chris and I'd had an incident or I'd been talking about how dangerous the scooter was. And Chris was never one to poke fun or anything, but I think he was a little doubtful maybe that I was struggling as much as I was or that it was really that hard. And I said, hey, Chris, do me a favor. I want to see you like totally uninjured, young, healthy. Just take this for a like knee scoot it from the the store entrance up to the top of the block at Broadway and then come back. And he did. And he was shaking his head. He's like, Brian, I cannot even believe. He's like, I didn't, it's not that I didn't believe you, but until you experience this yourself, it's hard to believe. He's like, that thing's totally dangerous. And uh, so I've never really looked into it, but I would imagine, you know, even though those are a tool to sort of get you better, I bet there's been some heinous, knee scooter injuries that are worse than the injuries they're trying to heal people from. Anyhow, that was that. And uh, I think I was on the knee scooter for like two weeks. And then I went back in and got x-rayed again. It had started to fill back in the gap in the bones and it hadn't separated it anymore. So then I was able to transition to crutches and a walking boot. And then ultimately out of the walking boot and back to walking around. And then ultimately, I think in the early part of the year, January, February, I started running again. Yeah, and then it must have been that summer I ran Cascade Crest. You know, not in any sort of blistering fast time, but just to get a qualifier to go back to Western States in 2016. So that's my uh, enchantment story. Oh, and the, the the finer point I want to put on it is that even though I broke my foot that day, I legitimately think that that was the most fun, the best day I've ever had in the enchantments, even with the broken foot. And you're going to think I'm crazy. It sounds crazy to say it out loud, but it was really a, a pretty magical day in the mountains. And had I been alone... And had it not been such a nice day and had it been another time in the year where the day was shorter or something, well, it could have been really scary. But it wasn't that. There was plenty of daylight. The weather was great. And I had a 
great group of friends I was with. And, you know, here I am telling the story. So it kind of made for a, a fun story to have, too. And uh, really, the, the goats we saw that day, the weather, it was an all-time day in the enchantments. So that's that. And I think I'll wrap it up there. I hope you all have a good night, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.